HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz. And today, woo, is a special day here in the foodiness fallout shelter. You know what today is? Maybe we need like party noises. Today, we've reached another milestone. Yep. Today is our 125th episode of Let's Get Real. I know. Yay. Yay. Thanks, Jack. I can't believe it. 125 episodes. I was going to say years. Episodes. It seems like just yesterday, but it was actually last summer, that we were celebrating our 100th episode over the summer. But time passes by so fast, and little baby radio shows, they just grow up right before your eyes, before you can even realize what's happening, and suddenly your little baby radio show is 125, and oh, yay! And I just can't believe it. So many shows, so much foodiness. So in honor of this momentous, significant occasion, let's go back to the basics for this 125th anniversary edition of Let's Get Real. Let's go as far back as we can go. Back to the first food. The first food. What's the first food? The first food that we all ever ate the first food. Now, I don't mean like cord blood or amniotic fluid, which you just kind of absorb and inhaled involuntarily for those first nine months. You didn't really eat that stuff. No, the one right after that, the first food, like the first thing into your mouth after 
you stopped crying with horrified shock after realizing where you had suddenly popped out into violently from your warm, wet, cozy bubble for nine months when you were first thrust out there into the light and cold and noise and insanity of the world. After that, what was it that they stuck in your mouth right away a few minutes later after they wiped all the bloody goo and the muck off of you after those silver nitrate drops were unceremoniously forced into your tiny shut eyelids? I'm talking milk, babies. Milk, fresh boob juice, your first latte, the original sports drink, perhaps? Breast or bottle, human flesh or silicone, we all started life with a squishy nipple between our tiny pink gums. First thing in our mouths, a little nipple, whether it was made from human flesh or it was made from plastic or rubber when I was a kid, that's, that was it. First thing, milk. Milk is really like the one and only food that we can all agree on worldwide because we all started life out drinking it. Except for Scientologists, but I'll get to those nut jobs a little bit later. Even if you were a bottle-fed formula baby like me, because in the 1960s, all new moms were told that formula was better than breast milk because science. You still lived on liquids for at least the first three to six months of your life, and hopefully actually for a lot longer than that. And I think we can all agree that mama milk, as my niece called it, as she nursed well into her third year of life, mama milk kind of crushes soy-based formulas, no matter what. Breast milk has miraculous properties. It has actual live immunity cells in it that the mom transfers to the baby. Did you know that? And it has probiotic bacteria and these very specialized sugars that help colonize newborns' guts and help them to create a healthy digestive system. Yeah, when you're born, your gut is totally sterile. None of that happens until you start eating. And if you eat breast milk, you get a lot more of the good stuff. It doesn't come in formula. But I know that not all mamas can make mama milk or that their babies sometimes just can't get the hang of nursing or their babies are adopted or whatever the reason is. And some women just have to use formula. They don't just choose to use it. They have to use it unless they can find a wet nurse, which I'll get to shortly. And I get that too. And it's totally okay. Okay. Who am I to judge? Who am I to even deign to pronounce that it's okay? Of course it's okay. What else are they going to do? If they can't nurse, they have to choose formula. I get it. It's okay. I'm not judging. What else are they going to do? But then there are those moms who choose not to. And to those moms that do that, well... I'm not judging that or going anywhere near that either because I have no children, so I have no right to say anything about that choice. And I get enough hate mail just for trying to be funny on a stupid episode of Chop that aired five years ago still. So I don't need any more hate mail. Thanks. But like with all the writing and talk and chatter and buzz about all food out there all the time now with the noise and the voices and the opinions of food out there, including mine, I'm just saying that at least we can all agree on the superiority and purity of breast milk. Unless you happen to work for a formula company, of course, or unless you're a Scientologist, which, as I said, I will get to shortly. Now, since the early, early days of Let's Get Real, 125 episodes ago, the early days when we were first excavating the fallout shelter and first getting the whole team in place recruiting 
Since those early days, I have called Baby Formula the original foodiness product. It is. I mean, think about it. It's a convenient, powdered, soy milk-based, protein-enhanced, chemical and hype-filled powdered power drink mix. Sound familiar? Hmm. And it's marketed directly to the most vulnerable, most tired, moody, and confused consumers. The guileless, clueless, innocent, newborn baby. Those poor kids haven't even focused their glassy blue eyes enough yet to read the fine print, and they're being bombarded with foodiness propaganda right and left of the crib to get them to slurp down bottles of formula with promises of added AHA and DHA and probiotics and calcium and protein and caffeine. Not really caffeine. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Those tiny tots can't even push their little shopping carts down the store aisle by themselves yet, and they're already a target market. Getting endless email offers and Facebook pop-ups on their tiny phones, extolling the virtues of formula to them. Those poor wee bairns. Three weeks old and already a consumer. Maybe you should have tried a little harder to nurse, baby. All you'd have had to do is lie there and suck. Should have thought about that when you turned your head away from your poor mommy's swollen, leaky boobs. It's formula time for you now, babe. It's the foodiness gateway drug. It's too bad those teeny shoppers can't just pop down to the pharmacy, maybe, and get a bottle of actual human breast milk right off the refrigerated shelf. Or wait, can they? Hmm. Let's take a quick break when we come back. Let's see if that's actually a possibility. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back. Oh, are we getting another? No? I'm okay. (laughs) Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. With me, your host, Erica Wides. Today is our 125th anniversary episode of Let's Get Real. So last week in the paper of record, the New York Times, which I read every day like a good East Coast liberal... Along comes an article in the New York Times about the newly commodified commodification, which it turns out isn't a word, commoditization of breast milk. Several biotech companies have sprung up that are now entering the human breast milk market arena. Uh huh. Purchasing surplus milk from nursing women, processing it to extract the vital fats and proteins and probiotics and gut flora producing sugars, processing it into a super extreme concentrated breast milk and selling it to hospitals as a kind of super milk for extreme preemies. Extreme preemies are the ones who are under 2.75 pounds, apparently. The kind of babies who would have died not that long ago. It's like Red Bull for the under three pounds crowd, basically. Now, women have been donating breast milk to milk banks around the country for a long time. Donating to milk banks, which then give it 
to people who need it. But this is the first time companies have been set up to commodify it, to purchase the milk by the ounce and then bioengineer it into something else, something highly marketable with a highly elevated price. The companies pay a dollar an ounce to the women who produce it. Dollar an ounce. And then they process it into this highly concentrated product and they sell it to hospitals for $180 an ounce. $180 an ounce. The bioengineered milk then supplements the premature infant's mother's milk or regular donor's milk because these guys are so teeny, these super preemies, that they can't live alone on regular breast milk. They need like super breast milk. So the company sells it to the hospital for $180 an ounce and they usually need about $10,000 worth per baby and the insurance company usually pays for it. Now they say that the supplementation saves more premature infants than those fed on formula or just breast milk. And I, okay, that's great. If we're saving all these teeny weeny little premature babies, that's great. I suppose these are the infants that not that long ago would not have survived. Okay. Although, to, to keep an infant like that costs a million dollars plus per baby to the insurance company, the hospitals, to the parents. So the massive million dollar plus expense to save a super preemie is never discussed or challenged because, you know, we got to preserve life at all costs. And these kids tend to have all kinds of learning challenges and physical issues, Okay, but I don't want any more hate mail, so I'm just going to leave it alone right there. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just leaving it alone. There are a lot more premature infants being born and surviving now. They're surviving because we have the technology to keep them alive. There's been a big rise in premature births, and one of the main causes is maternal obesity. There's a direct link between maternal obesity and incidence of premature birth and no one can deny that we are in an era of extreme obesity and there's a proven link also between formula fed infants and obesity formula fed infants are more likely to become obese adults so let's let's break this down the same industry the same industry basically the agribusiness foodiness inc industry that told generations and generations of women not to breastfeed because breast milk was inferior to their product. Don't breastfeed and instead use their powdered soy and corn syrup and chemical formulas to feed their babies so that they, that they could commodify the infant feeding realm and then raise a generation of fat kids are now commodifying it again by selling real breast milk back to women who most likely became obese by spending three or four decades eating basically the adult version of baby formula, the standard American diet built on soy, corn, grain, and cow's milk. My mind is reeling. Is yours? Think about it. The standard American diet, if you broke it down into its sort of fundamental forms, is the same stuff in baby formula. So these companies start us out on formula. They pump us full of baby formula throughout our lives. We then go on to become overweight. We have babies who come out premature because we're too fat. Then we pump those babies full of more formula again. But, oh, now let's acknowledge that breast milk is better and buy it and resell it for an incredibly inflated price back to these women in a last-ditch effort to save their premature babies. Okay. And, of course, this brings up 
all kinds of scary Orwellian thoughts, this idea of buying and selling something like breast milk, of, you know, herding women into barns and hooking them all up to milking machines about, you know, milk farms and medieval wet nurses and slavery and economic inequality. There have been nonprofit milk banks around for a really long time, and they're starting to fear that once the financial incentive for breast milk enters the picture, they'll lose their donors. There are many women who want to nurse their babies but can't, and they rely on donor milk banks. But once breast milk is a commodity, who winds up getting it? Who buys commodities? Only people who can participate in the market. Only those who can pay for it or have insurance or can hire a wet nurse or metaphorically hire a wet nurse. Oh, and if it isn't creepy enough, the whole commodifying of breast milk. Some athletes and bodybuilders have been buying the breast milk products too because they think it'll enhance their athletic abilities. Oh my God. Well, but you know what? At least those guys are exercising, right? Commercialized breast milk as commodity. I can just see it now. New power bars with added breast milk protein. New Jamba Juice Mama Milk Smoothies with an extra shot of boob juice. Starbucks introduces the new Lactochino. Oh, that one's actually really good. I should trademark that one right away. Somebody call Dominic, my lawyer, because I got to put a trademark on that. The Lactochino. It's so perfect. Or maybe nursing will become a competitive sport. Perfect for the indulged, pampered, affluent, white, urban mom. The same moms that I see all over the city. I see a rise. I actually see a business opportunity here for competitive nursing gyms. For skinny, lactating, rich women like like Soul Cycle or the Bar Method, where they can compete for who can pump the most, the best, the highest protein breast milk. And when they sell the milk, of course, they can brand it as their own. This is Erica Wide's breast milk. It's the best. As their own unique bespoke vintage, they could get letters vouching from their doctors about how pure their blood is, that they're, you know, they're vegans, they're chemical free, they're gluten free, they're who they do all these things. They can brand the milk as their own label. Isn't there some real housewife lady out there named Lisa Vanderpump? Why isn't she using her ridiculous last name to make bank off of this already? If your name was Lisa Vanderpump, wouldn't you already be selling your breast milk under the Vanderpump exclusive label? And I'm sure we're not too far away from different flavors of breast milk because here in Foodiness America, we can't leave anything alone without flavoring it somehow. You know, this is one of my favorite subjects, the flavorization of our food. So maybe soon we'll see cookies and cream breast milk or Bailey's Irish Mist breast milk for the Midwestern palate. Or maybe, or of course, we can only hope, seasonal pumpkin spice breast milk. Oh, it's coming. And it's not such a stretch. I mean, we've had flavored cow's milks forever, right? Chocolate milk. We all drink chocolate milk. Remember strawberry quick We had strawberry quick in my house because my sister was allergic to everything, including chocolate. So we would have strawberry quick, but sometimes she would have her milk dosed up with a big squirt of coffee syrup, coffee flavored syrup in her milk. She drank coffee milk. It was no wonder she could never sleep. And she was the size of an eight year old when she was 13. You know how they say coffee stunts your growth? Well, you should have seen my sister as a kid. 
So what would be the big deal and the big leap to flavoring breast milk if we're already flavoring cow's milk? I mean, women do it all the time inadvertently by eating spicy food or strongly flavored foods, which in turn flavor their milk. It's actually how you're supposed to create kids with expansive palates if you start them on kimchi infused or gorgonzola flavored breast milk. If we're going to be buying Organic Avenue style bottles of human milk at the corner store soon, why only in original flavor? Why not banana or red velvet or Girl Scout cookie flavored? So then why am I so bent out of shape about the latest atrocity to fall down the foodiness rabbit hole this spring holiday season? If I can imagine a world of flavored breast milk at the corner store, if I don't see it as that far off that women are competing to pump the best, purest, most valuable breast milk and market it, why am I so freaked out about this? The latest, the greatest. I'm sure you've seen it. I know you know what I'm getting to because it's already made the rounds on social media. It was on Jimmy Fallon. You know, right? It's cow's milk. Ultra pasteurized, of course, cow's milk. Industrially produced cow's milk. Full of the usual growth hormones and antibiotics. Cow's milk. That's flavored like marshmallow peeps. You've seen this, right? Yeah. Freaking peeps flavored milk. Peeps flavored milk. Whether you think kids should drink milk or not, and that's up for a lot of debate, they shouldn't be drinking Peeps flavored milk. That's for sure. Because eating a big pile of sugar-crusted animal-shaped marshmallows from a plastic basket isn't enough. You can now also wash it down with a big glass of pink, blue, or lavender-colored, hyper-sweetened flavored milk. Um, oh, wait, what? Oh, sorry. My research department is actually telling me that I'm wrong about that. The actual flavors aren't pink, blue, and lavender like real peeps. So it's not actually authentically flavored with actual peeps. Like artisanal peep-flavored milk would be like if someone here in Brooklyn made it using real peeps. It's so disappointing. Everything is so fake now. Even the peeps-flavored milk isn't actually flavored with real peeps. The peeps-flavored milk actually comes in marshmallow milk flavor, chocolate marshmallow milk flavor, and something called Easter eggnog flavor because everybody associates Easter with eggnog, right? Breast milk, maybe, but not Easter milk. Oh, and the peeps milks, they have 37 grams of sugar per cup. That's like two Snickers bars. 37 grams of sugar per cup of milk. But it's low-fat milk, so it's still okay. And they're 250 calories per cup, except the eggnog flavor, which is 360 calories per cup. Um, So let's look at who the target market is for these candy drinks. Um, Me? Mm, No. Um, You? Mm, No. Um, Kids? (laughs) So a cup of this stuff is like 25% of an eight-year-old's total caloric intake for the day. One cup of this stuff. One little innocent cup of milk. 25% of their calories for the day. Wow. And not to sound like the snooty, liberal, elite East Coaster that I am, but I am, so why not just be true to myself, right? To thine own self be true and all that. Let me just point out that Peeps flavored milk is only available in Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Tennessee, southeast Wisconsin, eastern Iowa, and southwest Idaho. No, Ohio, not Idaho, sorry, Ohio. 
Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Tennessee, Southeast Wisconsin, Eastern Ohio, Eastern Iowa, and Southwestern Ohio. Look at that list. Hmm. See the states on it? Can you visualize where they are? Hmm. Those states are also, just coincidentally, the states with the highest levels of obesity in the U.S. Just saying. I don't see Peeps milk at my little organic deli on the corner here in New York, okay? Peeps flavored milk. Last Easter, I was raging about Peeps Top Donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. Now, that seems so innocuous. You can eat last year's Peeps Donut now, washed down with some Peeps Milk, and then nobody's yet done Peeps Flavored Coffee Creamers yet, or Peeps Flavored Coffee. Hello, Dunkin' Donuts, where are you guys? You're missing out on a major opportunity here. I need to calm down, so we're going to take another short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica White, your host. Remember that you can follow me on Twitter. I don't tweet that much, but you should still follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. We're also on Facebook. Let's Get Real is on Facebook. I have a website, letsgetrealshow.com. Heritage Radio has a website, which is soon to be revamped because we're doing a big Kickstarter to revamp our website. But for now, it's heritageradionetwork.org. Remember that we are listener-supported, and we appreciate you and your support. We're also on Stitcher and iTunes, and by now there's probably 350 million episodes, give or take a few, something like that. There's a lot of us. And speaking of that, Let's Get Real is 125 today. This is our 125th episode of Let's Get Real, and we're feeling really good. I'm feeling good for my age. We're all grown up. We're proud. And we've covered a lot of ground together, you and us here in the shelter. We've been around with you for a long, we've been together a long time, 125 episodes. And we appreciate you a lot for listening. So today, in honor of the 125th episode, we've gone back to the basics, to the beginnings on today's show. Back to our first food, our primal sustenance, the first thing we put in our mouths. No, not chicken nuggets. Breast milk. It's what's for dinner and breakfast and seven or 12 other feedings in the daily life of a baby. I don't have children, as you probably know, but I have so much mad respect for women who continue to breastfeed throughout their child's infancy and well into toddlerhood because it's a lot of work. It's crazy. My sister got so good at it that she could nurse my niece who was sitting in the car seat while she was driving the car from the front seat. Really? No, just kidding. But she was a champion nurser. They both were, my niece and my sister. There's only one thing that babies eat. Done. End of story. That's it. One thing. Okay, yes, formula if there's no mama milk, if you have to go that route. But the end, that's all they eat, right? The whole world agrees on that. So what about Scientology? Remember? 
I mentioned Scientology earlier in the show and said I'd get to it. Let's talk about Scientology. So remember way, way back in the last century when Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes had a child named Suri? No, I don't think it was in the last century. How old is she? What is she, 10? Okay, in the last decade. They had a weird little baby named Suri. And then they split up because who could be married to Tom Cruise? And it all started tumbling out about Scientology's crazy ideas about babies and birth and all all the crazy Scientology stuff related to that, like giving birth in silence and not nursing your child. Because L. Ron Hubbard, that renowned scientist, L. Ron Hubbard decreed that breastfeeding was primitive and regressive. And it didn't provide enough nutrition for a newborn. Huh. Really, the thing that sustained human beings since the beginning of human beings, several million years ago, not good enough for us modern folk, huh? Wow. And so instead, he invented the Scientology baby formula, formula. Scientology baby formula, formula, which is made from powdered cow's milk, which, by the way, many, many, many infants can't digest, and it can give them horrible gastrointestinal infections and kill them cow's milk mixed with barley water which is the water that you cook barley in and corn syrup corn syrup l ron hubbard scientific genius claims that this is similar to the diets of ancient rome where of course they were eating corn syrup in ancient rome and nutritionally superior to breast milk now, I would rather feed my kids liquefied marshmallow peeps by an IV than listen to this wingnut tell me what to feed my kids. And thus proving, without a doubt, as if there were any, that Scientology is a total crackpot farce filled with morons. And I just remembered all this when I was putting this week's show together, so I thought it, obser- it deserved just another little worthy revisit. Just to mention the crackpot Scientology ideas on baby formula just throwing it out there oh yeah and in case that tidbit isn't enough for you this week there was a book that was about to be published in australia by a celebrity tv chef whose name i can't remember some guy who's a tv chef in australia and he was about to put out a book about the paleo feeding of infants he's a big paleo advocate and he got together with like a paleo mom blogger and a paleo nutritionist and they had this book where they claim that the paleo diet can cure autism. Now, I'm not even going near that. I'm not touching that one because, as I said, I get enough hate mail. But he also claims that instead of feeding your paleo babies breast milk or formula, that paleo moms should instead feed their babies a broth made of chicken livers and bones. Have we taken this bone broth thing just a little too far? I think so. Um, Because what did paleo people feed their infants? Um breast milk right so the real scientists like the legit scientists in australia freaked out and spoke up and they said wait a second chicken livers all liver contains levels of vitamin a that are toxic to infants so toxic that it could kill them who feeds their babies chicken livers you don't do that and the book even came with a disclaimer that its ideas and recommendations may not actually promote health and may, in fact, cause negative effects. Basically saying, here's a disclaimer because what we're saying can probably kill your child. So it was pulled from publication, luckily, to not being put out there. 
bone broth for infants. Really? Scientology baby formula? Really? Peeps flavored milk? Really? It never ends, does it? The waves of foodiness and beyond foodiness, the shenanigans, they just keep on rolling in. Like the tide, they just roll in. And we're here sticking a tiny little finger into the collapsing dam, just trying to hold it all back. And hopefully having some fun before the apocalypse comes and just sweeps us all away in its wake. So, after 125 episodes of Let's Get Real, if you still don't want to eat shit and you still don't want to drink powdered baby milk formula and you're not a Scientologist, because if you were, I highly doubt you're listening to this show. Keep on listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding parenting food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica White's happy 125th birthday, little baby. Let's get real. Thanks to Jack Inslee, as always, in the control room. And Ben Kaplan for writing my awesome music. And Chris Nutter for originally helping me come up with the idea for the show. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.